Welcome to a space where your voice, your experience, and your truth matter. You should come prepared for authentic, deep dives into topics that embody all walks of life with the goal of creating positive change. No matter who you are or where you're from, we're glad you're here to share in the conversation and can't wait to hear your story. I am Coach Fred. I'm Uncle C. I am Aaron Kinzer. I am Javon. And this is Safe Spaces and Faces. What's good? Yeah. What's T? It's Uncle C. What's up, y'all? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Oh man, we're back. And I'm gonna be honest, I am not ready for this episode, but we just we just gonna we just gonna move right on. How about that? Are you hey. nervous about this episode? What's, I mean, you know, le- listen, I'll tell you what the tea is. So the, the tea is all of the other trauma that I've been able to talk about is a lot of stuff that I've been able to grow through. And right now, this is something that I'm still growing through. The trauma that I have to talk about tonight is something that still affects my my life almost on a daily basis because it has affected how I relate to others and how I form how I form relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm still a little fucked up about it. <laughs> but um it's all right. We're growing through it, and this is part of the process. So mm-hmm. you know, our actually, actually, after Halloween, our next episode, we're gonna talk about talking about it and the importance of mental health. So this is part of that process for me. Um, talking about it. So mm-hmm. I hope y'all ready to buckle the fuck up for a, a ride because of course. <laughs> so let's get into the things of the things of the things of the things. Listen, getting into the things is what got me where the fuck I am today. Okay. Uh, so I want to know <laughs> what is it that you are referring to? Because this episode is all about love. Love. What the actual fuck a love story. So yeah. I want to, I want to, I, I before you get into your story, though, I kind of want to know from everybody, what is love? Mm. Okay. You, 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 a hell of a question. What right, is right. love? And I um, want y'all to, I, I, you don't need to answer it now. I kind of want to, I'm going to no. circle back to that question. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Let's end. talk about this. I'm going to say this and then I'll explain this later. And I'm not going to elaborate, but love is a choice. And that's all I'm going to say. The way he look, look, Javon, you like a teacher. You like, we well, all don't have to answer it now. Then he's gonna scream out the answer. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I want y'all to answer it after we kind of tell our stories is because I want to really hear how love has affected you guys in your life. Because love, like Krista said, is a choice, right? Okay. However, love is also probably one of the most traumatic things that anybody can really experience in their life because it can make us do some crazy shit. What is love? Love is where you are, you are giving without keeping score. You're giving without keeping score in hopes that, listen to what I'm saying, in hopes that you will get the same love back in return. Right? Aren't we all kind of doing that? You're setting yourself up for vulnerability. You know it. And if somebody doesn't give you that love back, that's when you turn crazy, right? Because you like, hey, yo, you messing with my emotions? You messing with my emotions. Don't know. Mm-hmm. So I think personally for me, love is I, I got to be able to give you a piece of me and my vulnerabilities and trust you with that unconditionally. Mm-hmm. But you got to give me the same in return. Okay. 
Okay. So, so Mr. Aaron, what what is what is love to you? Now that was a good answer, Fred. I I, I rock with that answer, and I, I agree with that. And in addition, you know, love is definitely an action word. You know, what I mean, if you look in the dictionary, love mm-hmm. is a verb first, then they give you a noun definition. But is being active in showing your affection and being active in uh, giving of yourself, your time and your emotion. And, and that's part of that being vulnerable, like Fred said. That's definitely part of that being vulnerable to, to another person and being willing to be hurt, being willing to be taken advantage of and trusting someone to not do that. You know what I mean? And that that's part of it. But it's also being loving. I mean, being caring and being compassionate. And not hurting the other person by being manipulative and, and taking advantage of their vulnerability and using it as a cushion to make yourself feel better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Knowing that you got somebody in the pocket like that. It's definitely it's definitely something something special. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and I don't, it's it's hard to define. It's hard to put, uh, put your finger on what the fuck love actually is. Javon, what you think, man? You have an answer. Come on now. Honestly, I'm still discovering what love is. And the reason I say that is because before I met the person that I'm with now, I knew what like familial love was like, you know, my family loves me, et cetera. But I didn't know like the depths at which like romantic love can go and how much you're willing to take from someone and how vulnerable you have to be while you're in love. So it's it's that that vulnerability that you give to some, you know, that you give to somebody, but also it's a choice as well. I can choose to love you and I can choose to participate in that love, but I can also choose to be like, I'm good. I'm okay. Because that's not the kind of love that I want, but also in being someone who has trouble accepting love it goes without saying that like it's tough to hear somebody say i love you and for them to mean it oh boy that's a whole show in itself dog <laughs> so so where i want to go with this cuz i kind of want to i kind of want to circle back a little bit you said love was a choice what led you to kind of to that realization well first of all I would like to acknowledge that everything that you guys are talking about is absolutely a component of love. Let me say this. I used to believe that love was a feeling, Mm -hmm. but feelings are what got me fucked up. For the greater part of my life, or up until I became of legal age, up until I was 21, all of my flings, there there was no romance. A lot of it was just exploration. I was talking and dealing with a lot of men who were not out, so they were download, DL, trade, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. So my experience with them was there were no relationships. It was just, you know, fuck buddies, friends with benefits, one night stands. Uh, So I had, I had no experience with, with romantic love. Definitely didn't have a total grasp on platonic or familial love either. So the idea of love was this fantasy that you encounter growing up, whether it be from movies or stories or hearsay, what have you, those fantasies are what made up my idea of love. So I thought it was a feeling. 2012, I meet someone, enter into a long distance relationship. And in hindsight, I realized that it was in June of 2012 when the grooming actually began. Everything was fine. A lot of, a lot of I love you's, a lot of outpouring of love, you know, 
pulling up, coming and spending weekends with me, and then really working to manicure and create a relationship built on dreams and things that would happen. Mm-hmm. Promises. Was it the the fantasy that you had in your head? Yeah. I would say it was. Um, Uh And I think he was very attentive to me talking about what I wanted. So he made sure that he sold me that dream. So you felt like he was giving you something that you had never really had before. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I see this now, but he was giving me a lot of attention. He was very attentive. Now Mm -hmm. I see it was overly attentive for the purpose of making sure that I didn't have attention to give to any other relationship, whether it be platonic, romantic, or familial. He consumed so much of my time that my only time, even in their distance, was filled with him. I was like, oh, look, he's just giving me all of this attention. I didn't see that it was toxic attention. But what that did was is that laid a foundation of what attention from a man was supposed to look like. Did you feel isolated? Not at first. Not at mm-hmm. first, because again, it was a long distance relationship. We mm, didn't move in together probably for, I would say, th- the first three years of our seven and a half year relationship. It was long distance. I mean, he was in Jersey for a while. Um, he was then he finally moved to Florida. He was in South Florida, you know, all, all the while visiting me and maintaining this relationship, but just slowly building that control over my life by making sure that he kept a large amount of my spare time. Um, to the point that it was toxic and it, and I didn't even I didn't know it. And I was just freely giving him my time instead of actually developing who I was as a person, mm-hmm. developing relationships in my life and actually neglecting the relationships in my life, even as it was developing. Yeah, so- but from what I hear being a satellite, right, right, is that on the flip side, just so your audience knows, I, I know you can talk about this like you're 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 replaying it but from the flip side let's be honest in the moment you you felt like you were you know like curating like a, a beautiful relationship you absolutely know what I mean? absolutely like he really was he was like, giving me all of the attention he was showing me all of the love it was everything i thought it was supposed to be right because absolutely. that's what i would be thinking like wow this man he he loves me he's giving me his time and attention absolutely uh, when i call on him he's there he's talking mm-hmm. to, you know and if and it sounds like maybe i don't know him so i'm just hearing your story maybe he was just super meticulous in how he did this whole thing absolutely and but he was just like, knowledgeable of uh what your love language was, and he just plugged into that. But that's well, how it starts. Well, right? there's a little more tea here. Right. Well, the reason why he was so good at selling game at his lip service, this man, former gangster disciple, former GD, a pimp, literally breaking bitches on the street. I was basically another bitch that he broke. He would tell me that slick in our relationship at different point in times when he would tell me that I was no good, that I was just another bitch in his, you know what I'm saying? But as he would say, I charged that shit to the game and I kept it moving and I stayed down because I was so far removed from anything that, and and he literally created a world where he was my only, he was my savior. He was my out. And he had me to a point where I really believed that outside of him, I had no opportunity. I had nothing. Now, see, I didn't know that part of it because I think he was the person that you were with while we like had like first really just started like 
getting to know one another and becoming friends. Mm -hmm. And I remember like for a minute there, we didn't talk for a good while while he was like around. But I remember you kind of like, like if I did text you or whatever, it was, you know, kind of a short conversation. But really in reality, it was him. Like he was the only thing that you focused on during that time because he came back around and it was like, oh, he's he's back. From 2012 to 2019, he consumed me. Um, How did you know when it was like, okay, I'm done with this? Like, what what was the aha? You know, you know what the fucking problem is, Fred? I knew that and stayed another two years. So you saw the red flags, basically. I saw I moved my shit out literally. I even stole his jewelry and pawned it. I moved my shit out. <laughs> I was so done because I it was to the point where he was getting drunk. He would have me cornered. He was breaking shit. He was throwing knives into the doors. He would he would literally, literally rip the clothes off of me as he would degrade me and make me believe all of this awful shit that he would say about me. And then he would love bomb me the next day to the point that it would be forgiven. I'm so sorry. I love you. It never happened again until it happened the next time. So what was the point, what was the breaking point for you to realize that you just had to get out of it, to leave it completely? Once I realized that I, at the end of our relationship, things got really toxic. And at the beginning of 2019, after a period of time trying to figure out why I was sick, found out that I was diagnosed with HIV. Actually, that's that's a lie. I was diagnosed with AIDS, end-stage AIDS. My viral load was... 1.9 million. That means that in a sample of my blood, there were 1.9 million copies of the HIV virus, the AIDS virus. That is an astronomical number. And if anyone's hearing this and they know anything about those values, they will tell you that that is in a very acute and chronic stage of AIDS. I was told that I would never reach an undetectable level. I came home. Of course, I was accused of being a cheater. I was accused of being a whore. I was accused of being shit. To a man that I was loyal to for seven and a half years. But in any case, without being too accusatory, that's that's how that happened. I found out that I was positive. Subsequently, I went into renal failure. Stage one progressed into stage two, progressed into stage three, progressed into stage four. Um, spent 187 subsequent days in ICU. Um, I had an infection in the spinal cord. It was actually Parvo B19. Parvo, yes, like the dog disease, but the only strain of the disease that is known to be and infect humans, Parvo B19. At one point, they thought I had leprosy, so I was isolated for a time until they realized that it was actually an acid-fast bacteria called Mycoavium bacterium. It's a disseminated MAC complex. It infected my lymph nodes and the lymph nodes all over my body inflamed, all inside of my abdomen, all over my body. I went through a, a, a period of wasting. I went from 380 pounds to about 250 pounds in three months. Wow. I lost 60 plus percent of my muscle mass and two years of fighting for life. At the moment that I found out was January, I stayed till September. So even finding out wasn't enough. But whenever I was finally like, once I found out and I and and I and this all came forward, he stopped staying at the house. He started staying somewhere. So once I was tired of paying my portion of rent, I was like, you know what? I'm out. And it was then that I realized that had I not made that decision, 
Like in, literally in the moment, if I am, if I don't make this decision, I'll probably just end up either really fucking hopeless and depressed or dead either by suicide or him. I don't know where, I, I don't know. I don't know where I would have been. I, I can't say that, but I don't know where the fuck I'd be. But the two years that it took to really kind of get my health back, fighting for my life, going through at, at co- coding three times in two years. Dude. I mean, literally the, the, the Mac infection was so bad. It went, to, they literally had me, they had to stab me so many times. I spent so much time in ICU. It, I was just telling my roommates today, like it was so bad. Like when I would wake up in the morning, they wouldn't even bring me my coffee. I just went inside the nurse's station and made my shit. I mean, because I would be there two, three, four weeks at a time before I'd go home just to come back a week later, <laughs> you know? Um, so that was my foundation of what love in a relationship looked like. My first experience. Since then, I've tried. I have tried. I'm not ready for that shit. I had a relationship that ended recently that really taught me what healthy love looks like on some degree, on some level. And I, and I'm just finally learning what healthy communication looks like just with people in general. So for me, the healing process, I really can't speak on uh, as far as what it looks like to have healed through something, but to heal going through something, I can tell you that it's a choice to love someone because you have to wake up every day and look at someone and say, I choose everything that you've been through. I choose the pain that you have. I choose the pain that you're trying to go through. I choose the worst parts of you, but I respect who you are. I'm going to be loyal to you. I choose to be honest to you. And I choose to make this commitment to you today. It's not a feeling because feelings are what fucked me up. Fuck a feeling. You've got to be, you've got to be actively choosing to commit yourself to me every day. You've got to actively be choosing to say, hey, I accept you and I'm not going to fuck you over. If you're not willing to make that choice, please kick fucking rocks. So yeah, love's a choice. Fuck feelings. Mm. Sorry, you, you know, spoke a word. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, man, you know, I need to bring the preacher to with that one because that, that dog, you, you're right. You're right. That makes sense of why you would say that. That makes sense. Even after you made the choice, you, do you choose me or do you choose the shit that is about me that I bring? You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Are there conditions to what you're choosing to? And I think that's we speaking to some people about that too, right? We're talking about love. Because I think some people love under conditions. They love if you can give them something and bring them something. Or do you look a certain way? Or can you, you know, you you got the social media aspects. Or are you popular enough? You got enough clout, right? And then when you can't bring that, people are like, oh, well, you're no good to me. And and part of the toxic love I see online is just terrible. It's just like, you know. It's so fake and and destructive and toxic, and people believe that shit. It's they like, think it's cute. They think it's cute. Absolutely. They really do. They think that that toxic like love is the norm, and it is. Right. It's like that's right. not a healthy way to love anybody. Because in reality, would I want to argue with my partner every single day? No. For what reason? Because right. if, if it's going to be that, then I don't want it. Right. You know they I mean? sensationalize it, right? Yeah. Like, okay, deep down, we all love a little drama. We just love to see the train wreck. We don't want the entertainment shit in our lives. No, right. <laughs> right? No, so right. Some people get it twisted. They literally cannot understand that uh, that is entertain. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll be on Twitter 
And uh, the thing I keep saying is Blueface. I don't know who the, who, who the hell Blueface, I don't care about. Blueface and Krishan, Lord have yeah. mercy. I, look, I'm 45, so I'm out of the loop with all that shit, right? But I'd be seeing it, how they be doing each other. And I'm like, bro, I, I'm aware enough to know that this is entertainment. So I think people sensationalize the aspects of love that they think is movie-like. Breakups and, you know, all, all that shit. The sex, the hot, steamy sex in the bathroom. And they'll sensationalize it. But in real life, man, look, I always tell people this. In real life, you just want somebody you can hang out with on a Tuesday night and watch some Netflix and you can be in your worst fucking pajamas. And Absolutely. you ain't got to say shit to you. That's Most all definitely. we want. Just be comfortable just being there. You don't got to be pretty cute. You ain't got to say nothing cool. You just there. And you want somebody to be there in their own skin with you. That's all you want. But people forget that. They go for the shit that the, I call it the shiny ball. They go for the shiny ball, the Ferrari. It's like, bro, just get the Prius. I not, not mean to cut you off, but I think that like people forget that compatibility doesn't mean that you're going to love that person. Because sometimes I can be compatible with somebody in almost every single way. But there's just that one thing mm. that I don't I don't like like that. There's a, there's just that one thing that I'm like, I can't overlook this. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people get with these people that they might have things in common, but they don't like them. I think a big portion of love in general, I got to like you too. <laughs> if I don't like you. He said, I got to love the way you I got to like you too. If right. I don't like you, then what are we here for? Because right. you can have everything that I want. But if I look at you in the morning and I don't like you, it's not, a, it's a dub. I'm you know good. what? And, 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 you know, you're absolutely right. And then in this relationship that I was in, I was convinced that I love this man. But every day I told myself that I don't like this man. Mm-hmm. Mm. You, you know, so, a lot of people, trust me, a lot of people go through this through that same thing. They get to a point where they feel like, oh, the, the feeling that I have of love, I can love a person all day. It's an idea. Yeah. Exactly. But if I get to a point where I look at you and I'm mean mugging you the whole day. And I don't like you, then it's not it's not gonna work. Right. But is it like a drug? Is it like it a, is drug? a drug? It right? is because a drug. that's what they're chasing, right? You know, if you you know if you getting up and you like, ooh, look, I'm not talking about those moments where y'all just might just be tired or y'all just mad at each other. I'm talking mm-hmm. about the moments where in your mind you like, Mm-mm, this is not gonna work. But mm-hmm. you continue making it work. You're like, ooh, I'm a, I'm a, because that one time they had did X, Y, Z, P, D, Q, and yep. they made me feel like this. So you holding on to this feeling in your brain and you like waiting for that feeling. And that feeling doesn't even manifest itself for two months, but you didn't went through two months of shit waiting for this feeling. Then the feeling pops up to hold you on for six more months of bullshit. And it's like, people don't, they don't even think of it that way. It's almost like they just, they're just going on to get a, what do they call it? Uh, going along to get along. I can't remember the saying, but. A lot of people. Yeah, I, I completely understand what you're saying. A lot of people just want their quick fix. Mm, yeah. That's it. That's all they want. They want instant gratification. They want that person to, to text them every morning and tell them they're pretty. Mm. That's, that's what they want. They don't want a real relationship because. As soon as things get tough, a lot of times people exit and they don't want it anymore because their their fantasy of that relationship is gone. There you go. There you go. You didn't said it. You didn't said it. 
So in general, and even in my own in my own life, I've been in three relationships in my entire life, right? The very first one, I was young. I was 20 years old. He did nothing. Every single weekend that I went to see him, he did nothing but smoke weed and drink wine all weekend. That's all he did. Got drunk every single weekend. It got to a point where his dad was like, you should run. Because <laughs> to you, he was saying, yeah, to yeah you. he was saying it to me. He was like, You should run, like, you shouldn't even be with him. I don't know how you deal with him. And literally, afterwards, after we broke up, I went and hooked up with somebody else. I didn't care because it was infatuation. It wasn't, it was, thank you. It wasn't love, it, it was, was infatuation. infatuation or or the idea. It was infatuation exactly. with an idea, right. but then you meet that love that feels like love it looks like love it quacks like love and you think that this person is so perfect that was my second relationship this guy was literally everything that i thought i wanted out of somebody he was funny we had things in common you know there was certain things about him that aren't too much like like that like i ain't ain't even gonna get into it but there were some things that i can tell y'all off here but y'all be like, why were you with him? When I tell you, it was it was kind of wild. So like, although I loved him, I don't think I was ever in love with him. So that's where we got to. And at some point it was like, I can't do this. I'm good. But even after that, you kind of go through this, like where you kind of regret it. So for me, I, I really admit this, that I texted him a few times afterwards, wanting to like talk, et cetera. And I think- what I wanted him to do was to fight for it and mm-hmm. to fight for me. But you're not fighting for me. Like, I'm literally telling you that what is going on between us right now is hurting me. And I really just I really just want my person. And you're not doing anything about it? In reality, for me, it was more like, I need to get out of this because this isn't healthy. And afterwards... It took me like, it took me a good while to get over that guy. It took me a good, good like year and some therapy to get over him. You you had you had made the choice that he was that dude. He made you feel that in your soul, in your heart, right? Mm-hmm. You, so you dove all in. You all in. Right? I did it. And you know what? That's what I tend to do when I'm in love. When you did that and he's not fighting for you, you like, well, wait a minute. I dove all in, but you tested in the water? What the fuck is what's, what's going on here? You, you start know to feel what? like embarrassed. Like he, he dipped his little toe in and that was it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Dipped the little so toe not, in to check the temperature. That was it. Sometimes people will beat themselves to death over these little things that all of us humans do. That takes a lot. But that you know, you know how God works. Because literally during all of this, first of all, it was the pandemic when we broke up. So I was stuck at the house Mm. alone. Well, Mm. not really. At the time I lived with my parents, but like I was stuck at the house dealing with this breakup Mm. at the same time, dealing with friendships falling apart. At the same time, trying to make sure that if I went outside, I didn't come back with something and get my parents sick. Trying to also like deal with the fact that I didn't have a job at the time because my job was, you know, laying people off during the pandemic. So 
all of that combined, when I moved the next year to Charlotte, I was a mess. And I tried, you know, to get over it. I tried to not even think about it. When I got to Charlotte, I dated somebody for a minute. You know, they were one of those people that we really liked each other, but we just weren't. We just weren't right for each other. Mm, mm-hmm. So then you, how God works. Won't he do <laughs> it? How God works. I was in Charlotte and there was a job that I absolutely hated. Absolutely hated it. Went and I literally was getting physically sick. So it just so happened that my sister was up for the weekend. And she wanted to stay with me in my apartment. So I had to take her back. Well, it just so happened that that Wednesday was also like my last day. So when I walked out, I went and got my little drug test for my new job, went home to go get my sister. And I'm not thinking anything because I ain't looking for nobody. I'm not even like at this time, I wasn't really in the headspace for a relationship. To be honest, all I wanted to do was fuck. That, that's, that's just it. Like, I, mean, I wanted to be a hoe. God had other plans because I, I came home. I was on the apps, mainly Tinder. I was actually about to delete it. And then all of a sudden, I swipe right. And I'm like, he got kids. I don't really know about this. He's a cute dude. But I don't really know if this is going to work. I don't want to be nobody's stepdaddy. At the time, that's what I was thinking. So he's going to kill me when he when he hear this, by the way. But... <laughs> <laughs> but... Speak on it. We, we matched. You know how you, like... When you, when you meet the person that you're supposed to be with, or that you think you're supposed to be with, whatever. You I just, know. like... You know, you, you keep going back. And four, you know, you look at them a little bit more. You kind of examine them just a little bit just to see like, hmm, you cute. I, you know, I can, I can see it. Let me see what, let me see what happens. So I slid in the DMs. He messaged back and we started like chatting back and forth. What I didn't know that was going to lead to, I didn't know that it was going to lead to real love. At all. Because when I tell you we knew that we were meant for each other on the first date, I literally looked at this man in the backseat of my car. I'm not going to tell y'all what we were doing. It wasn't it wasn't nothing nasty. But <laughs> in the back, but y'all both of y'all in the backseat. Right? We were in the backseat of my exchanging car. carnations or something. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, basically exchanging flowers. <laughs> but we were we were in the backseat of my car, and I literally looked at this man and was like, "I love him." I didn't say it out loud, but I knew that like I was in love with him. But you talked about earlier that love within itself, it hurts and it's difficult and you have to accept the parts that you might not necessarily like about a person because what all of this led to was in 2022, we moved, I moved back to Georgia and we moved in together. When that happened, our relationship changed a lot actually and it was because of certain events that had happened where he felt like some of the power that he had within himself was stripped 
And I was feeling overwhelmed with having to carry the weight and make sure that we were good. So what that bred was us arguing constantly, going back and forth with each other, saying things during that time that were so hurtful. We felt horrible about each other. We looked at each other like we were enemies. Although I loved him and I still liked him, I was constantly in a state of depression and feeling like him and I just were not going to work. It almost felt like everybody talks about the first year of marriage. It almost felt like we were married and this is our first year and we're just trying to figure each other out because the communication between us was horrible. I wasn't opening up because I didn't feel like I had a safe space to open up. He felt like, well, if you're not opening up, you're not, you're not talking to me. You're not telling me what you think, what you need, et cetera. So I don't know. So he felt inadequate in a sense, but also he also felt like I should be giving more, but I all, but I already had felt like I have all this weight and I can only give you so much because I'm carrying everything on my back. Eventually, earlier this year, we broke up. <sighs> Lord have mercy. Go ahead. I'm back with him. Mm-hmm. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. Sometimes I th- I think it's because we we gave up on each other too quickly. And I think that we really didn't give ourselves grace to make mistakes, to say I'm sorry, and to own up to our shit. Because a lot of times I didn't want to own up to anything because I felt defensive because it was like, nigga, I'm over here doing everything I fucking can to make sure that we good. And you complaining about this at this moment, I can't, I can't do it right now because I have everything on my shoulders and you have nothing. But I didn't realize that was not the approach that I myself should have taken. If he felt like something was hurting him or something that I did was hurting him, what I should have done was acknowledged it, understood where he was coming from and fixed it instead of constantly doing it over and over again, because I myself couldn't get out of my own head enough to realize that he, all he wanted was to love me. That's it. That's, that's a, you, boy, you said a lot, man, listen, Y'all sound like a married couple, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you definitely sound like a married couple. You know what? Now, Are y'all now, married? I mean, for real. We were actually engaged. Actually engaged. So, like, okay, that's we, why. I mean, man, look, we are together now only because of divine intervention. It's funny because my like job that I first got when I moved back here to Augusta is was like two minutes away from the apartment complex he used to live in. So when we met up. We met up again through Tinder on 7-1, which was our anniversary. Mm. And we did the exact same thing that we did on our first date. We sat there and you we You got in the back seat of the car. Well, right. no, that didn't happen. We <laughs> sat there and we <laughs> talked. They got in the back seat and they exchanged carnations. That's what they we, did. They, <laughs> just, back, they, just, back there. Which, <laughs> they just back there with themed up windows talking. You, you know, know what? I'm not Come even going to comment on that because <laughs> actually, no. That night was uh, that night we were we were trying to just feel each other out I because bet. y'all know <laughs> y'all, you know what that didn't happen till later but y'all know <laughs> y'all know me like 
It's fuck that nigga. I'm good. I'm done with it. But even though I felt that in my bones, that's not what I was feeling in my heart. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. my heart was saying, you want to drive to Augusta right now? Because at the time I was in Dublin. So that's like two hours. You want to drive to Augusta right now? Go to his mama house where he's staying and get on your hands and knees and say, I love you to this person. But at the same time, I knew that we needed it, that we needed that break. That separation. We needed it because we were so like we were so in love with each other. But at the same time, we we fought so much to like just be right. Mm, mm. And instead of actually loving each other, we just we fought again just to be right, just to say mm. we we are the right ones, that we did it the right way. Uh, you know what I call that? I call that arguing to respond instead of argue instead of arguing to listen. Yes. And that was really- that was our big problem. That's, and that's hard. Look, man, I'll be married 17 years this year. And I'm not saying that to be like, woohoo, look at me. Mm-hmm. I've fucked up plenty of times. When I say fucked up, I mean, as a husband with kids and no dad, I had no dad. Mm-hmm. So I don't have any blueprint of, <laughs> I have nobody to look at to be like, oh, this is how you, you know, take care of your kids. I realized in my relationship that there were many times that I had to really look at myself and be like, dog, you know, you fucking up. Like, you know, you fucking up. And your problem is you trying to get defensive and defend your fuck ups. You know what I'm saying? And I really had to check myself and and auntie talked about it with the feelings. Sometimes your feelings will make you be like, nah, we gonna fight. We gonna die on this hill today. We dying on this hill. And you don't really realize the long term destruction you're creating. The long-term destruction really is short-term you win the battle, but the war in the long-term, you taking L's. Why? And there were plenty of times where I would do stupid shit where I'd be like, okay, I can't even argue my way out of this because I fucked up. Then I'm going to defend it. Ah, man. And so I really had to work on myself internally. Like I had to say, okay, let me shut the fuck up in our relationship and really listen to what she's saying. And then let me actually work on fixing it. Right. That... I tell you right now, that was probably the hardest thing in my life to do. And I know it sounds crazy, but as an adult, you 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 double back on, well, why do I got to do that? I go to work. I pay the bills. I do this. I do that. And you go down this list of what you do instead of the one thing that your spouse wants you to do. You try to defend all the million things that you do so that you can justify why you're not doing the one fucking thing they want you to do. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? That is that is the one thing that we that him and I struggle with a lot. And I'm and I'm gonna say this because I heard this from Tabitha Brown. Okay. A lot of the arguments that we had in our relationship were because of things that were unsaid. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I remember an argument that we had. I remember saying, I think we need a break from each other. I think we need two seconds to just, you know, let me go to my mama house. You go to your mama house. You do whatever you need to do. I just think we need a few days away from each other. What he heard was, you don't want me. You don't want me. You don't love me anymore. 
Because if you did, you would stay here and y'all. What in reality, what I was telling him was this is what I was saying. I think we need a break just to calm down and think about what it is that it, that would be good for both of us. I don't want us to feel any kind of way towards each other and get so heated that we about to fight each other. This is crazy. Let me tell you, a lot of the things that I was saying was going over his head because he didn't, he didn't want to listen, but I didn't either. I didn't either. I was, I was, like you said, trying to defend a lot of the actions that I had done simply due to the fact that I felt like I had to defend my character because you're trying to make me out to be a bad person. When in reality, that wasn't it at all. He was just hurt by some of the things that I said. Now it now that we've kind of learned each other, we have realized that, hey, when one of us feels a little frustrated, it's best to just say it so we can deal with it. And it's okay to say you frustrated. It's okay to say I'm pissed off right now at you. It's okay to say you know what? I'm a little sad right now. I just don't want to, like, I, I just need a little space. Not that, like, I, not that I don't want you cuddled up on me and all that stuff, because, you know, you know, I think because I'm no longer afraid to allow somebody to love me, I'm more open to allow him in and allow him to see me. But to know that if I make a mistake, it's not the end of the world. Talk about it apologize for it don't harbor that feeling because harboring it harboring those feelings was what led us to break up the first time but what i want to know though i you you talked about your wife i want to know your love story how did you meet her and how did you know that she was that person for you that's the story in itself so I have I have an ex. Me and her got together when I was in college in 2000, 2000 at Eastern Illinois. We were together for about five years. And she was like you guys described for me. She was my, oh, I like them. We're compatible, but I know this is not going to work. And for some reason, it was almost like uh, it was almost like I, I wasn't being pushed, but I didn't know the next step because I didn't want to break up with her. But it was almost like, ooh, should I just propose to her? Because I feel like I'm at a shit or get off the pot moment. <laughs> I need to do something. You feel me? <laughs> and so I did propose to her. I remember it was 4th of July in 2005. And it was a great thing in front of her family. Blase Skippy. Everything was cool. And I remember telling her, hey, yo. So now, mind you, I don't, you know, all my friends are in Chicago. I live with her in a city that's an hour and a half northwest of Chicago. So I, I don't have my boys there. So her friends become my friends. You know how that goes. And mm-hmm. I go, hey, yo, you know, I'm going to have me a bachelor party. We're going to do the damn thing. It's a bachelor party out there in Vegas a whole week with the boys. Now, when I say the boys, it's really, you know, a bunch of her male friends that, that are boyfriends of the girlfriends or whatever. And she couldn't get over this shit. Mm-hmm. She's like, nah, y'all can't do that. And I was like, what? <laughs> I said, okay, all right, I compromise. I'll do three days, three days, Friday through Sunday. She's like, nah. And this became a fight, y'all. We've been together five years and this became a fight. And this fight went on from September to October every morning. Mm -hmm. And so it was at that moment that I, in my head internally, I'm talking fights, 
She'd be crying. We cursed at each other. It was at that point where I said, I have done everything for this woman. I know I made some mistakes, but we fighting over a bachelor party? We ain't got no kids. We ain't got married. We ain't dealing with no real, real, real trouble. And we fighting over a bachelor party? That was a red flag to me. And that mm. was the first time I had actually stepped back from my own relationship and said, wait a minute. If I'm going to marry this woman, this, this, I need to survey the landscape here, man. Because I know I'm imperfect, but my mom told me a quote. I'll never forget it. She said, baby, what you don't like will only get worse. So I had rose tinted glasses on. I just, you know, oh, that's just her being, you know, long story short, we eventually broke up. She broke up with me in a Chili's. <laughs> Not yeah, a Chili's. Oh, dog. Not me for the two Chili's. for 20. On the two for 20, G. And she left with me with the bill. And so... At that moment, I had took my stuff out of the house. I hung out with a buddy, lived at his house. And I remember I was just kind of moping around because here I am. I done got off a five-year relationship. I gave you five years of my life, five years. And now here I am living at my buddy's house with nowhere to go. And he was like, hey, yo, let's go out to the club. I'm like, man, I don't want to go to the club, bro. I want to sulk. <laughs> we go to the club. He said, I'll buy you any drink. Okay, fine. I go to the club. and he finds this woman out there on the dance floor that's got a friend. And you know how it is with the guys. This is how we do. Hey, yo, you she got a friend. All right, I'll be wingman or whoever. I'll entertain her while you, you know, do whatever with the other girl. And so with the girl that I'm entertaining, she I little did I know she would become my future wife. I had fun with her just because I was in a place where I didn't care. I'm just mm -hmm. out having fun. Nothing, nothing's gonna happen. Okay, this cute girl, but you know, ain't nothing happening here. I'm just out having fun. Well, he eventually I didn't get her number. He mm -hmm. got his girl's number, right? And she exchanged got his number. So I just said, ah, oh, whatever, I have fun. We go back home three weeks later. This same girl that talked to my buddy calls him up and is like, hey, yo, we at this joint. You want to come out? I said, "He, she got her friend with her? <laughs> yeah. I said, let's go, let's go, let's go. So we go hang out with them. And after hanging out with her the second and then third time, I was like, you know what? I like this chick. I like her. I just feel myself with her. And what eventually happened with us was that it was like at that moment, we basically were like, I was like, look, this is me, man. I got off a relationship. I don't give a fuck. This is me. This is who I am. Okay. Take it or leave it. Me, everything. Take it. And she was like, yeah, me too. This is me. You like, take it or leave it. Like, this is where I'm at. I got off a bad relationship too, motherfucker. So this is what you do. You like it? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I like your attitudes. I like yours. All right, well, let's do this thing. Like, <laughs> and I think we connected in the, in the sense of we both got off of, like, we both got off of shitty relationships and got to a fuck you point where we were like, fuck this. We didn't care. Right. And I think through that mutual, I don't give a fuck what you think, this is me. We were so truthful up front with each other that we were able to be vulnerable without no judgment. We were like, yo, that's my shit. Tell me your shit. And so it was so evenly matched that it was at that moment, I think I said I love you to her literally months later, because I was like, I've never met a person I could completely be myself and there's no judgment. And so for me, love has always been a experimental, 
I am willing to get, I am willing to let my heart bleed just to, just to find somebody. I'm willing to do that. But that's a very dangerous path. You have to know who you are and you have to know your non-negotiables. So since we had that and we messed, I was like, yo, we let's get married. Let's have kids. Like, let's do the damn thing. Mm-hmm. And I want you to understand, even when we got married, you talk about moving in. Now I go from, oh, married honeymoon to now I'm a husband. Now we have Trey two years later. So I'm a dad. So this whole thing was like, oh, shit, I'm a dad. I didn't have a dad. I don't know how to fucking be a dad. <laughs> now you got to figure it out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so now I'm doing some dumb shit. I might be out too late. I might not be texting her saying where I'm at. What am I doing? We get into these petty little arguments that I had to learn in my head. Now I got a little child that's copying some of the shit I say and do. Now I'm like, damn, I got to figure out what to say, how to say it, how to do And then when I'm disciplining my child, I can't just tell him one thing and do a different thing because that's my dad would do dumb shit like that. So it's Mm -hmm. complete fuckery. And I'll leave you with this. The biggest fuckery was when I would have fun with my son. We tossing the ball. We might be having these conversations. And in my head, I'm thinking, yo, this, this dude, he's getting what I wish I had. He's getting what I wanted. Damn, I wish I was him. It's almost like I was jealous of him. You feel me? But I can't. I can't get what he's getting. I will never get it. So that whole kind of in my head, dealing with that mind fuckery while trying to be a good dad, every day is a day of mind fuck. How do you want to deal with it? Are you going to deal with it in terms of you built for this? You got this? Or are you going to deal with it with a victim mindset? And I tell people, you're you're always going to be, you're never going to be, you know, always beast mode you're gonna have some weak moments and that's okay because you're living life like i don't have beast moments all the time i have some weak ass motherfucking moments where i'm like god damn it man like i need a break and then i have moments where i'm like hell yeah i can do this all day so for me i look at it at this point and when you say it's about uh uh when you know, auntie says it's about a choice and 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 uh, you say it's about being. I believe you said it's about being vulnerable. I believe it's all you. It's it, every day. It's renews. Every day. There's never a day where you're like, oh, I'm good. Because the minute I'm good, you are assuming. And when you assume, you it leads to people resenting you because then you are assuming that person's gonna do be or whatever, and that person builds up resentment without saying something over time because they're either trying to be nice or they gonna, they know they're going to say something that's going to trigger you and they ain't trying to argue at that moment. You feel me? And that's where the communication breakdown usually leads to is because at some point, somebody builds up resentment from some assumption because somebody has not made something clear. And when it blows up, motherfuckers are like, whoa, okay, so you it's like that. You know what I mean? And if you're not mentally ready to handle yourself and step back and listen, I'm talking about actively listen, then you're going to take it personal and that's where the headbutting comes along. And so I've had to learn that about myself over many years. Just, I just don't assume. Every day I tell her I, I appreciate you. Even today, before we got on the podcast, I said, I appreciate you cooking dinner because you look angry. She ain't want to cook no dinner. But I have to tell you that. Mm-hmm. I don't assume that you just know that. I have to tell you I love you. I have to tell you, I love you and why. 
I can, you can't just assume because I'm here and I'm going to work and paying the bills that I love you. That's no. That leads to resentment. Motherfuckers getting divorced after 20 years. Love so, me out loud. Yes. <laughs> love me out loud. Like I don't, I, and I, I completely understand where you're coming from in terms of like, you know, saying I appreciate you, saying that I love you, saying, you know, stuff that just makes your partner feel like, okay, I'm doing the right thing. You know what I mean? Not, not just like, but not even, not even just the right thing, but my partner cares for me. Those are, those are the most important things you can do for somebody. So we've been talking a lot. Well, Mr. Kinzer over here. I want to know about the loves of your life and your like journey with love. Man, I was younger, you know, um, the mother of my oldest daughter. She was an older woman, older than me, not older woman. But, you know, I was 17. She was 23. And, you know, I mean, she really did a really, really did a number on me. And our relationship at that young age, I mean, really, um, really, really had a major, major, major impact on the direction of my life with this woman. And after her, you know, we had a child come out from our, from our time together. But the feelings that I had for her and the things that I did during that time, I, I look back and not knowing then in the moment, but now knowing now that, um, you know, it, it, it was love. It, it was love that had me on the highway four days out the week, driving 100 miles each way, each evening, just wanting to see her. I'm going to college. I'm leaving. I'm leaving Wednesday afternoon. As soon as I got out of class, 100 miles, boom, I had to be there, had to be around her. Back up in the morning, 100 miles, back to class. Thursday, the same thing. And Friday, to down, stay for the weekend. You know, th those experiences with love and just chasing, chasing just her presence really, really did a lot to me. You know what I'm saying? It had a major effect on me. That I, that it's even hard to explain now. 20 years later, 20-some years later, it's hard to explain what that was. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know... Then, then, then my second experience with, with, with real love was, you know, I was 21. I got, I, I got with a young woman. You know, we were the same age, and you know, I was growing up, coming of age. Is when I started hustling, started, started getting my, my my legs up under me. You know, I loved different at that time. I thought I knew something. I thought I was smart. I thought I knew it all. But I lacked, I lacked respect for this person. I lacked uh, compassion and empathy for this person and their story. But I, I loved her, but I didn't know how to express love, and I and and, and I didn't have any um, understanding of respect or or was required to um, put yourself in the other person's shoes mm -hmm. and uh, look at life through their lens and and have respect for their trauma and for and and, and for for their pain that they're bringing with them. You know, I I, I didn't respect that, so I literally was a harmful and an abusive person mm -hmm. mentally. At that time, you know, at, at that young age, my, throughout my twenties, then I was making money at the same time. So my attitude was real, real cocky and real, real arrogant at times. You know what I mean? So I was definitely a hard person to be around. Love was always there, you know, and and it's hard now to explain to that person that yeah, I loved you. You know what I mean? I, I was there. I know I hurt you tremendously, but. I can't help you understand that I love them. You know what I mean? And, and it, it, it was hard for me to come to terms with that and hard for me to explain that and have them come to terms with it. And it's still hard now to know, to know that they, they hear me, but sometimes the anger and the pain that I've caused them comes out towards me. Were you afraid of love? 
in like receiving it? Being raised by my mother, mm-hmm. it made me a, a real affectionate person. Lo and behold, even though I thought I was being vulnerable and I may have been to a certain extent, I was still guarded in the sense that, you know, I was a player and, and I kept other women um, around and on my team, so to speak. So I was I was I was afraid to allow myself to be loved and just didn't know it. You know, I I, I didn't know that I was exercising that uh that that type of emotion and that type of attitude because I was just raised that way. You know, I, as a uh, was just you know you just have it you you have as many as you can. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this, uh, Aaron. Um, what now in your current your current situation, your current walk, and in, in your journey? What does healthy love look like, both that you give and that you receive? I think now at this age, you know, with uh, the stage of life that I'm in and what I'm experiencing as of just getting out and doing all this time, and now I'm in this rebuilding phase, healthy love coming towards me, receiving it, is very um, empathetic. A woman in my life now that is understanding of um, my struggle and Giving love is is um is different because it's been pent up for so long, and I've been wanting and I've been longing to um, correct some of my mistakes. And for the longest, I had my children's mother, my youngest children's mother, in mind, want, wanting to show her that I can love now, that I can be vulnerable now, and not be ashamed of it, and not be not be scared, and not you know feel the need to have so many backups. Mm. So. You didn't want to be hurt. If that's what I'm, that's what I'm hearing. You were, were you afraid of being hurt by them? I, I was definitely afraid of being hurt, uh-huh. you know, but I didn't know it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I was afraid of being hurt. And I, I've come to learn through a lot of self-examination and introspection that that's what that was. It was a safety mechanism. Keeping the other women on standby, having those backup relationships that was me covering my bases, pretending to be vulnerable, but in actuality, I wasn't vulnerable. Kind of like an insurance policy. You just got them around just in case somebody start acting up, right? Right. I mean, right. Right. A like that. Of some kind. Right. Right. Uncle, I heard, I wanna I wanna know about your story though. You were talking about where you ended off was 2019. Who is Uncle in 2019? Please take us through this timeline till now. Cause I'm looking at you like um, a damn miracle. If you here doing a podcast, like what to him? Honestly, 2019 until 2021 was the it was those two years. That's when everything transpired. So it was that that two year period that I really fought to get to a point where I could stand and say that you know my health is improving. I'm getting better and and I'm on this journey of recovery. It was then that I had the opportunity to start looking introspectively and saying, okay, well, who am I now? Now that I've gone through this, now that I've fought for my life to have my life, who am I? 2021, I moved from Florida up into Georgia, up to Augusta, and started an intimate relationship with, with Chris, with who I am. Started unpacking the lies, unpacking the bullshit, unpacking the negativity that was force-fed down my throat that I believed in waking up every day. And just like I said, love was a choice. I had to choose to love myself, to affirm myself, 
And I can say that I've had that experience of falling in love in the last two years, but it's it's been giving myself that attention, giving myself that TLC, giving myself that understanding, that daily choice, that compassion, that grace, that space, all of these things, this unconditional love that you guys are actually talking about creating in the love that you have now post-traumatic love. I'm now learning to implement in my relationship with myself. It's probably going to be a while before I date again. Who knows? You know, love likes to just show the fuck up whenever it wants to. <laughs> you don't it, you don't expect that swipe right to no, happen. But it happens when you least expect it. But I'm not at the I don't give a fuck place yet. I'm at the I'm giving a fuck about myself. Mm-hmm. Once I finish doing that, I think then I'll be ready. And this most recent relationship really showed me that. I thought that I was there. And then when I started receiving something healthy, the absence of chaos was chaos. Mm. And actually having that peace fucked me up. It fucked me up. And mm. it made me realize that I had so much more growing to do. And really, that's why our relationship, our relationship got to a point where I was still so rooted in my trauma that I could not break out of a trauma response to everything that was even healthy. Now, don't get me wrong. There was, I feel like I still could have been met a little bit more where I was at. And Javon, you and I have talked about this quite extensively. I really believe that he could have met me more where I was at. So please don't understand. Don't sell yourself short in thinking, or, you know, I just require too much. No, you don't require too much. Affirmation is never a bad thing, but there is a line between affirmation and really not understanding that you have value within yourself. So I'm working on that self-worth and self-value so I don't need it from someone else. Listen, four years later, and that toxic energy can still, if you let it, have control. So know that growth, as I've said in other episodes, is not linear. It doesn't always look like forward motion. Sometimes you take a few steps back, that's fine. But if you're in a situation like that, take the time, back away, pour into yourself, pour everything into building up the confidence that you can stand on. That way, when if if and when someone doesn't pour it into you, you still stand on it and believe it. Don't let those people tear you down. And if you're in a situation where you feel stuck, reach out to us. We'll help you get the fuck out. I, I don't know how we'll do it, but damn it, I'm down for a mission. But you've got to come to a point where you put yourself first. And it's it was the hardest thing that I could do. To, I've, I stayed for months after I knew I should have left. Mm. Leaving is the hardest thing you can do. But But there is so much opportunity for growth and life and healing and happiness. And once you start moving through that, you start to love yourself again. And that's when... That is when you can start trying to love someone else. So, I say and have a community of people too. Have a community. Well, absolutely. Have a community of people, tight friends, two, three, four. You don't need 150. You no. don't need a bunch of Facebook friends. You need no. a few. And this is why we got this podcast. Let us be your people. Let us be your four friends that get you through this shit. DM us. Find us on any social media. Like send us a video, email, whatever. So we really, really really would love anyone that's listening to this that really felt this episode especially around halloween time man look fighting them demons 
Them demons are gonna come out of nowhere trying to get you. <laughs> so, Ooh, the goblins. Right. Let right. us help you fight off some of these demons because yo, that is real. It's real. You know, wherever you are, no matter who you do or don't have in your life, know that you're special. Know that you were created for a purpose, regardless of what you believe. Know that intrinsically you are lovable, you are worthy, and know that you're special. I and I, I say that because. I've been in some dark places, and if I would have heard those words, it would have made all the difference. Mm. But know that we love you and we care about you, and that's why we're here. Before we end this, I mm. want to ask the people listening to answer the question that I asked you guys earlier. What is love? But I also want to add, who are you when you're in love? Leave it in the comments, on our social medias. I really want to know. Thank you for opening your space to safe spaces and faces. We hope that you too get involved in the conversation. Remember to like, follow, and share our social media. Tell us your story, share your experience, and together we can make a difference. Until next time, be the change you want to see.